to, you know, here's how we start. Uh, uh, Chris Fullis and Pat Pacini, once again, with Doing It My Way, podcast celebrating uh, um, great entrepreneurs. Tonight we're joined by uh, a, a very good friend um, who is a, a very successful guy. He's made a, 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 a great business uh, in something very cool. Um, and we'll introduce Which him. perhaps we might hear about later. Yeah. Uh, our, our guest tonight is uh, Scott Brown. Scott, welcome. Hey, Scott. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, you were asking before we started recording, you know. Yeah, we're not we're, recording yet, right? We're, we're on. We're, <laughs> oh. we're live. Oh, you are okay. live. Beamed <laughs> out to, I don't know, eight, eight or nine people are listening right Ooh. now. <laughs> um, we just get right into it. Where were you born? Uh, actually, Glendale, California. Man, another California native. California native. I but, see. Some, I see a trend. Well, I lived in Burbank. You know, we is that California? Five days later, Burbank, California. <laughs> Got you know, it. So, uh, upper, middle, lower class family. I guess considered middle, but you know, is it was nineteen uh, fifties homes type thing. And, mm-hmm. You know, we. Um, Man, that's when the middle class was actually the middle class. There was a middle class. There was a middle class. Like things were happy and the neighborhoods were clean. And mm-hmm. I still remember my dad saying he was concerned about you know he didn't pay his mortgage for the last three months. And he said he's talking to his neighbor. He says, well, "I haven't paid in six months." You know that was a different era. You know the banks didn't jump on you or anything. Like that. They'll 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 see him later yeah. at the town square and say, yeah. "Hey, by the way, yeah." So it was, uh, what what did your parents do? My mom was a homemaker. My dad was aviation insurance. Got it. So he um, he was a Navy pilot during the war, a bomber pilot, uh, seaplane operation. Oh, cool! And uh, he was when after he got out of the war, he hey, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but what war? Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like you know, it could be Korea. Like, no. well, there's a story there too, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was. It I'm not a history he major, was, by the was, way. Uh, you know, he was. He was there when they raised the flag of Hiroshima out and sitting in the, the waters and stuff like that. But after he got out, he went back to school, which was USC, and he was typing policies for the Royal Insurance Company. He said, hey, you're a pilot. And they put him in the aviation department. So he became an aviation insurance man in probably 1948. Wow. Jeez. So. Wow. So your, your, your childhood, what's that like? Uh, good student? Normal? I would say normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's not, Scott's not one to brag, Chris. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't say it. A student. <laughs> were, were, were you like... Well, a, we don't fact check on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. on this oh, I'd say student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I told my kids until he's right. on my park card. <laughs> so so a, a decent student? I, I Yeah, it's decent. And, and you go to pub- I had to work hard. You go to public or private? I had uh, 16 years of Catholic school. Oh, God. Poor, uh, poor bastard. <laughs> Notre Dame High School, oh, Loyola University. Got it. Now Loyola University is Loyola Marymount University. But So what did you do in high school? Were you, uh, did you play sports? No, I was kind of nothing, actually. Uh, Got it. I came in freshman year. I was five feet tall and mm-hmm. 100 pounds. And Notre Dame was known for really sports. And Still I, is. And I, I was... And I, I still played basketball and baseball on the side, but I didn't actually play at school. Through the school. And, yeah. and you were an okay student there? Uh, okay student there. <laughs> what, 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 year, what year did you graduate high school? 1969. 
Oh, man. So, Were you born? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, yes. Good. Uh, don't ask Chris. Chris I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. But like the 60s in Southern California, it like was epic, right? Oh, yeah. It was, it was interesting. I mean, it was like that's what everybody saw. I'm from Pennsylvania. Everybody back east was hearing and watching what was going on in California. And everybody was moving here. Yeah, I mean, I was part of, you know, I was really part of the scene, so to speak. I was more of an outsider, but mm. my best friend, his dad owned two Honda shops and a used car dealer. And uh, he, he always had interesting cars, and he lived in Hollywood because he, when we were at Notre Dame. And uh, he had, a, I remember, a Lincoln Continental convertible. You know, six guys and they're cruising uh, Hollywood yeah. Boulevard, like yelling at people. Come on. Yeah. And, and were you a car guy from the beginning? Yeah. It's kind of in, you know, family tradition. My You're, uncles had cars. My dad always liked cars. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, every year, two years, he got a new company car. Whatever the next horsepower thing, he that's what he got. He, he so, bumped and, and pilots kind of are, uh, we have a lot of clients that are pilots. <clears throat> They're, they're kind of gearheads, right? Yep. Yeah. My yeah. dad actually quit flying just before I was born because my mom said, uh, that's enough for you because he, he's worried about the Korean War. My mom was, if he was still flying, they would ship him to Korea. And since now he had two kids, uh, my mom said that was enough. So he, but he didn't enjoy flying. So. I, I, w- I would think after World War II, I don't know if flying would be a pastime. You know? Yeah. Did, he, did he talk about the war? Not a whole lot. You had to ask him about it. I mean, I'll tell you one funny story. I think it's a great story. My dad was always ends up on the right side. He always, whatever he did, always came out good. So uh, he he was uh, a copa at the time. They're, these are seaplane bombers. They go out and fly 11 hours on patrol. But they were in San Francisco. My dad and the navigator knew they were the second plane out. So why go to briefing? <laughs> They can go experience San Francisco. So, <laughs> so three of them take off. Three, three of these bombers take off, fly under the, the Golden Gate Bridge. And <laughs> the number one plane, who's leading them over, had an engine problem. So now my dad's plane, he's co-pilot, is number two. So the captain goes to my dad, give me the coordinates, let's go. Well, my dad had no idea. The navigator had to, no idea. He didn't go to the briefing. <laughs> he didn't go to the briefing. So, oh shit. <clears throat> so anyway, they're shooting stars all night long and stuff like that. And it's a eleven-hour flight to Hawaii in those days in that airplane. He, he, they were nervous the whole time because you know islands are a little hard to find. Anyway, <laughs> they landed in Kianoi Bay, I think that's in, in uh, northern uh, Honolulu, Oahu, and they he, they had it moored. Tied down, everything taken care of when the, second, the third airplane came in. I mean, the third airplane said, you didn't know where you were going, and they went a different route. My dad's plane was there before they <laughs> It's like, got we there. made it. Yeah. Yeah, we made it on time. Yeah. We, what's, we, what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. But. So your first car is a? Pontiac GTO. Pontiac what GTO. Year? 1968. Oh. I bought it. It was, uh, i say, well used before I got it and ridden hard, put away wet. Uh, every time you hit the brakes too hard, the drive shaft tried to come through the floor. I love that car. Though. Really? So was that a 400? Yeah. And yeah. what color was it? Dark gray metallic. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was American Mags on it, black interior. Yeah, it was a pretty good car. And, and did you you work work in high school? I worked summers. Yeah. Well, I had 
summers were jobs for, you know, Robinson's department store stocking, you know, cosmetics and polishing silver, <laughs> things like that. Any, any type of entrepreneurial stuff then? No. No? No. You're just, just working. Just working. Do whatever, you know, whatever I could. So. And you, you need gas, gas for the GTO. Yeah, it was twenty five cents a gallon. <laughs> right. and, how, and and what was gas mileage on that? Eight, six? I don't think we were even worried about it. Yeah, twenty five yeah, cents. Nobody cared. Like, twenty five cents for premium. Oh, on a good day, it was probably ten. Yeah. Was it a sticker automatic? Manual. Yeah, nice. And okay, so you graduate high school. Where? What's the next step? Where'd well, you go to college? I thought I was going to SC, but I couldn't get in the dorm. Mm. They knew at the time the dorm shortage. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> anyway. So I went to Loyola, didn't accept me. So I went over there and talked to them. And next thing you know, they accept me. So I guess I'm going there. <laughs> so anyway, so, so I went to Loyola University. So you went to Loyola. Yeah. And, and Loyola is what? What do you do in Loyola? What do you study? What do, what I was do you a finance do? major. So the, the language of business, once again, right? Finance right. and accounting is, are the two things Another that... Another reoccurring theme. Yeah, a theme that we hear. Um. In, both yeah, both we, my brother-in-laws are accountants. We we haven't heard anthropology, or, <laughs> right, uh, or right? English English lit, yeah, right? Or you know, poli sci. Well, sixteenth century, you know, ceramics. <laughs> <laughs> so so, what's 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 it like at Loyola in the early seventies? Well, at that time it was kind of a small school. I can't remember exactly. I think there was less than 5,000 people there, undergraduate and graduate. They had a law school downtown, but that, they weren't on campus. So small school, early 70s. Right. So is this like long hair and pot smoking, or is this is this uh, uh, Catholic strictness? Is there nuns walking around like where I, how I grew up and stuff? <laughs> there was a, a nun or two on campus, but— um, then there were a few Jesuit. It was a Jesuit uh, institution. There was a few of the Jesuits around, but they're kind of disappearing as the time progressed. I mean, the head of the university was a Jesuit. Uh, yeah, no, it was. There was some of that, but not to the degree that it was outside the campus. Loyola is like an island, is sitting on top of a mountain overlooking the Hughes Aircraft operations at the time. So it, was it um, was was college serious and formal, or was there still some Antics and shenanigans, shenanigans, That's animal, really, animal housery. I mean, I was in a business fraternity, which you know that was crazy bastards. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> not <laughs> a lot of accountants <laughs> hiding each other's slide rules. Yeah. right. <laughs> it was a tough crowd, but the, the advantage of it, I did get to play a lot of intramural sports, and that was actually probably one of the reasons I joined it. And we played, you know, basketball and football and baseball. It was, you know, it was great. That's why I enjoyed the most about the fraternity. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so a four-year deal, a finance major, the same, the same okay grades, good grades? Yeah, 3.0 probably. But, oh, okay. but was, was, did you struggle or was, and, and like, was college fun or was it just a, a means to an end and you had to do it or did you, did you revel in those days? I, I just knew you had to do it. I mean, mm -hmm. and I had fun. I had some good friends and stuff like that, which you, I still have today. And uh, it, it's it's a good experience. I mean, I, I my dad had a deal with me. I'll give you pay for four years, and then I'm through. Mm -hmm. That's an incentive, right? So I was right. kind of thrifty at all times. So, uh, 
So I was out in four years. Okay. And what year is that? When do you graduate? 73. 1973. I was born then. So I was, I was born in, so I was alive then. Pat was, <laughs> Pat was alive then too. Okay. What, what's the, what, what do you do when you graduate? Are you like, what am I going to do? Or did you already have a plan? Well, I worked at a, a bank in the summers because uh, I thought I wanted to go into banking. And after, and I appreciate the people giving me the opportunity to, to be in the bank. I was in Rodeo Drive, and it was, it was a great union bank. They were great people. And I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so the, uh, my, <laughs> my aunt was uh, head of the professional employers for the state of California in Los Angeles. So she got, she's got some interviews for me and got going. I actually ended up in an engineering firm doing uh, general uh, business work and not, not the engineering part of it. So I did that for a year. And I knew after like two months, this is not my job because the, the people there, the people are going to do well are the engineers. And that's what they should be. What were they engineering? Uh, nuclear power plant. So, oh, wow. And, you know, it was, it was interesting disciplines to see how they all work, and it was all great. But I, it's not what I wanted to do. So uh, and I talked to my dad over the six, eight months. And at this time, he was a partner in the aviation insurance firm. And uh, so he said, you, whatever you do, you have to work for a year. You can't quit until you at least complete a year. So I did. Worked my year and gave my notice. At that time, my dad said, you know, well, he's going to hire me as a tr- trainee. And he asked me what I made, and I made $770 a month. And he said, okay, you work for me, $700. <laughs> so he negotiated. Negotiated. I did really well. He, <laughs> he went backwards. Negotiated <laughs> downwards. And he said, you know, you're working for the, you know, the head guy, so that means you work longer hours and harder than anybody else in the firm. Yep. So that's what I did. And I, I had no problem with that. I have no problem with work ethic. I so. mean, dude, that's one thing you for sure don't regret right no like at the time you hear that from your dad and you're like oh come on and right. now it's like dude thank you yeah and i you know i was the low man in the totem pole so i was doing all the traveling to western states you know knocking on doors you know trying to you know get brokers to do business with us the the smaller brokers they did handle the big alphabet houses in downtown la and i did the, the smaller guys i have a question um aviation insurance in the in the seventies or in the sixties when your dad was doing it, is is that corporate aircraft or commercial aircraft? I, I I'm assuming there wasn't many private aircraft, or oh, was no. there? Oh yeah. Oh, because of Cessnas and Pipers and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I was doing the Cessna and the Pipers, the, the flight schools, the repair shops, and we did uh, air, all airlines. My my dad had insured all the three major California airlines at the time. Plus the whole Howard Hughes account, and uh, yeah. So how how do you how do you underwrite insurance for Howard Hughes when he was just making up shit and flying planes that he was building and and trying to set speed records and well I, when I my get there it was later on in that it was you know it was the airline it was the helicopter operation and uh, that's other cool. various parts so yeah it was a different different business then he was not pretty much out of it at the time. What was the scariest thing to insure? Flight schools? Yeah, flight schools are, are uh, helicopter operators are the, <laughs> are the toughest operations to sell. But uh, yeah, yeah, but overall, I mean, it's, hey. it's a good industry. Overall, it's, you know, it's just, there is, they are safe. You know, there are people who do things wrong and they crash and that's, you know, the people make mistakes and that's what insurance is for. 
Correct. And you try to stay away from the people who you know are problems. So uh, that's part of our job. What we do, we're aviation underwriters, but we're hired by an insurance company to do their aviation underwriting for them. So we're called managing general underwriters. So uh, that's what we've been doing for all these years. It's funny. It sounds it sounds uh, uh, riskier to me just because it's a flying object, but it's actually safer than like car insurance. Probably is right. Probably is. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We Statistically, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. It, it's hard to actually get statistics on aviation because like there's more autos in here in Orange County than there are airplanes. You know, it's it's different field now. We don't do airlines in my company. How how long did you work for your dad? I remember uh, fourteen years. So fourteen years. What's that progression like? When was the first promotion? Well, probably the first promotion. It was probably seven years after we we I actually got cross trained to do trucking insurance and a few other things because we came down to Orange County because at the time. I was going to do property casualty trucking and aviation, moved out, have a separate office in Newport. And one of my good friends and I started the office down here. Are, are, sorry, are you living where, where, when you're done with college, where do you, where do you live? I lived in Babylon Island for a while, for a year. I moved back to Burbank for a year, back to Newport, back to LA, back to Newport. <laughs> where, where's the office? The office was downtown LA on Wilshire Boulevard. Gotcha. Okay. And then we opened an office then. So in the 70s, you're commuting from somewhere yeah. to downtown Wilshire. Yeah I, yeah, I used to leave it. You can always beat the traffic in in the morning. You just couldn't beat it at home. Right. Unless you want to stay till 8 o'clock. Right. So. I mean, and how about that? That's that's in the mid-70s. It was still a friggin' shit show. Well, and it's uh, a friggin' disaster. It's a been, shit show today. They've been bitching about traffic in L.A. since the 30s. I, I wasn't. I wasn't around there. Who was? How do you know this? I just. I just saw this black and white film about this car. The this guy invented this car on how to beat, uh, how to how to park in congestion downtown L.A. And I was. And it was an old. You know, it was a, actually a late twenties piece. But th- this is L.A. in the twenties and thirties. It's been a shit it's show a hundred, ever since. Hundred years later. <laughs> They'll get it right eventually. Okay, so you're. So you're. Your first promotion is seven years in? Pretty much. You know, it's a small company, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of opportunities. You know, Right. So, but in your 20s, you're making money? Uh, not much. Yeah, I mean, probably at, at average. You don't, what, you what were you driving? You get so a company car? Or? No. I had a, uh, well, it was in L.A. I had a, uh, the GTO became a Camaro SS. Yes. Which became with automatic on the column. But uh, that became a 914 Porsche and a 911, which I called my James Bond car because had a few oil leaks. Every time you downshifted, you disappeared. <laughs> Just shoot, shoot smoke everywhere. Yeah. What was your first brand new car that you bought? Was it? Uh, well, my first one was a ni- uh, 1977 911 S. 77911S. So what was that, 12 grand or more? Yeah, I don't remember. Exactly. Really? I don't think it was that much. I think it was like seventy five hundred. Wow, it was seventy. And I was trying to figure out how to afford it. <laughs> so, but you were you were so you were always stretching on a car, right? Like, yeah. oh, I, you had to have a car. I had to have a car, and it, well, he's not now. <laughs> then he was right. Well, that's why we're celebrating. Him, <laughs> right, right? right. <laughs> you guys have taken care of me for those years. <laughs> so, so 
you you're what is your promotion at at what 30 years old right 28 20 yeah so i was uh I became the manager of that office, and we had four people, and then we had six, and then we had 10 people in that office. We actually, it, the office, property and casualty business kind of went downturn in Orange County, and so I just jumped back just doing aviation totally, and I did pretty much the Western states, and the LA office did mainly Los Angeles, where the big brokers were. So, uh, yeah, we did, we did really well. So, I mean, it was a lot of traveling. I, I've done a lot of traveling in my time. So the Western what, states. What, what, what do you have you ever tried to guess or what is what's a lot of traveling one year i figured i was gone over 200 days wow <laughs> and that's and that's, that's just the western u.s yes you, you broke it up yeah no, we did you know there's this company we worked for had f- four offices but sometimes we had business in their territory which they didn't care for but that's mm-hmm. that's the way it was but were you were you like flying Four different airports a day, all like all week. Or? No, I, I would go like fly to Idaho and visit a bunch of producers and accounts in that area for two or three and days. And stay a couple nights yeah, and, and then, then fly somewhere then else. Go to and... Spokane and go to Seattle or something like that. So I, I just made the rounds all the time. Living out of a suitcase, right? Uh, staying at hotels or f- yeah. swanky, as my dad would say, swanky Holiday Inns and stuff. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> did did w- with your first promotion, did you start making money? No, I mean, okay. it, you know, it, it's you worked for it. The company worked for my, my dad was a partner. Eventually, they sold to a London firm. Mm-hmm. The London firm sold to another American firm. That Amer- that firm kind of expanded too much, and they sold us to another firm. Now we're part of a big conglomerate firm. You know, we're you know salaries and stuff like that. The full the full corporate. Yeah, I the, mean the full corporate beast. We were making doing really well. The loss ratio is good, which is important, for, and the. Uh, we we were a very profitable bro- office, and you know the head guy came in and said, "Well, I'm gonna cut your bonus from five thousand a year to twenty five hundred, and the guy that still works with me today, my business partner. He cut him from twenty five hundred to nothing." <laughs> I'm sure you remind him of that yes, all the time. Yeah, we had we have. We was st- he the one that uh, gave the speech at your birthday party? No, that was, that was he was one of the partners, but he was on the property and casualty side. Okay, okay. So uh, he, he's a long long time friend. Of mine, yeah, so that's we, great. So, so you work for, you work 14 years, right? So you're at, at this point, you're getting, you, you decide what? It's probably 13 years because I started the firm and I was 35. The, what happened was when the last straw was, they said there's no cap on salaries for my staff. I'm a, I, hold uh, on. Excuse me. Your dad is out of out of this. He's thing. still there. Okay, he's now a con, uh, under contract uh, as a consultant. Sort of like a sort of like where you sit right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, actually, I'm still working. But <laughs> anyway, he became a consultant. I became actually head of the West Coast, both offices. Okay. After we left that out. Was but. your dad uh, after so many acquisitions and perhaps he was financially happy, but was he disillusioned because the company sold and sold and sold? Or was he like, dude, I'm riding this wave and I don't care? No, he, he was he was professional. He was just whatever it was. I mean, when he was a consultant, he was in London three times during the last year. I mean, just before we started this yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah, no, he was always good. Okay, so he wasn't like, we, we, we had a, we, we had a uh, guy on the podcast who regrets selling his company. And, and we know why he regrets it, because he, he sees... 
he, you know, it's hindsight and he likes the action and mm-hmm. stuff. And some, a lot of guys, I mean, like, they're like, dude, I sold the company. I never look back and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Well, the first sale was actually to some good friends. And so it, nothing changed. Got it. it worked really well. And it was a good, a good fit. <clears throat> so they, they all made money and they're fine. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, after my getting yelled at for giving people 5% raises, I decided it was, you know, I think I'm not that happy, but I, every year I was skiing, we go skiing with our London brokers because we did a lot of business in London. And uh, we're sitting in, I think it was Chamonix, I can't remember if Chamonix or Val was there, we're sitting on the ski lift and he says, well, we're, our group is leaving and going to another carrier, another operation, I should say. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I probably should do something too. So anyway, we kind of sat around and kind of did a deal like on starting a new company, they don't have and I and we don't have. And uh, my dad was couldn't join us because he was a consultant, because, but uh, he was he would eventually join us. And so we put in money, they put in money, and we're off the road in 1987. So 1987, you and how many partners? Well, it's. One partner, one partner, and then the other, the other team. And this was hatched on a ski lift. On a ski lift. <laughs> on a ski lift. <laughs> in where? Switzerland? No, France. In Val d'Isere. Okay. I think it's Val d'Isere. It might have been Chamonix. Well, I haven't skied in France, so okay. sorry. <laughs> anyway, I, can't, I should know that. Like, <laughs> it all, all mountains down. <laughs> right, right. So uh, anyway, so we uh, that was probably obviously it's March, and it took me a while to figure it out. And I, I called my dad, say this way I'm leaving, and he said, well. I'll do what I can. He he had a lot of contacts, and he was, you know, helpful and on the side trying to help what, us. What was that like? Making that decision, like going, or are you are you are you scared shitless? Well, I don't know if I was smart enough to be that way. Uh. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know there's some opportunities, so I wanted to try it. I mean, I, I wasn't happy what I was doing anymore, right? So I had to try something different. And my business partner. Uh, at the time, he came to me, you know, at the time he just worked for me, but uh, I said, I, I'm out of here. I, I don't want I said, I just don't do anything yet. Just take it easy and I'll, I'll figure out something. So then I put, you know, we got this thing put together and, and we were off, off the races. And, and how quick did you start making money? <laughs> Probably about two years. So two years. So the first was two it, years. Was there, was there uh, uh, fear or, or like, holy shit, I don't like uh, I we shouldn't be doing this but I know it's the right thing or I'm doing this and I don't care if I know it's going to pencil eventually and well I didn't know if it was going to pencil eventually but I did know that if we worked hard with something to work it was the right thing to do it was the thing we had it to felt try right it. we had to try it mm-hmm. so we started business uh, July 7 1987 uh, December that year our partners who were 50% involved said uh, we've been offered by the company you left to, if you we don't do business with you, we'll give you more business. They couldn't leave us fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. So if they leave you and go to your competitor, they'll give you more business. They'll give them more business. So they're completely out of us. Oh, oh, oh. They're just dumping us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So yeah, they, okay. they punted on you just because yeah. you were small and you couldn't provide or whatever? Yeah, yeah well, we they're... they're going to get business from a mega company mm-hmm. and we were just starting out you know like, and was was there a different uh and we we're personal friends with these guys so that 
That really, well, hurt, really hurt my dad. So uh, yeah. when you're, so you're, is your dad involved with you in the company, or is he sort of like a liaison mentoring? He right couldn't now? join us till about uh, January of that year. Okay, right, right when, when it happened. Yeah, and so uh, at the same time, I I orchestrated to bring our another team in for property and casualty insurance business. A uh, good friend, John Krebs, who was giving the speech, and and his partner Brian English, and uh, so we. They, they're coming in. We've lost our, our, our partner. So it was good. To, that was all timing. Man. Yeah, it's all time. <laughs> and th- those two guys, they turned profit almost immediately. I mean, they, they were amazing. So uh, we were struggling still a bit. So uh, was, was there a time when any of this was happening or when they told you they were leaving you? Were you, like, driving home scared? Like, or did you just? I just had to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. So you, you deal with it and go on. So Right. So, and uh, when you started your own company... Um, hold, hold hold on. How old are you when you start your own company? 35. So 35 years old. You weren't 18. Right. You weren't 19. Right. Right. So those of the, those of our youth who are listening, maybe at 35, it's okay to have not have it all figured out. Yeah. That's yeah. true. You know, a big, a big, the, one of the big parts of this for, for Pat and I is, uh, this podcast for Pat and I is our youth needs to hear your stories and, and stories of successful guys that, hey, it just didn't happen. It just wasn't like, oh, I had 19. Or it wasn't I, all planned out and it, it happened this way. <clears throat> you know, you have uh, 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 teenagers and uh, my 20-year-old, my 24-year-old and your kids, they just see older successful guys and think that just happened right and there's a there's a a series of unknowns and mistakes and good decisions bad decisions and you don't need to know and you didn't have your own company until you were 35 right which at 35 is young to have your own company mm-hmm. right yeah 35 is young but 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 in the if you're 19 years old or 20 years old 35 ain't young that's a long way away. Right. That's a long <laughs> right. way away. And that's that, that 15 years to get you there. Um, so two years in, you st- what, what's the f- when you start making money, what's the first, you know, I mean, as, we, as Pat and I both know, Scott's very frivolous. Uh, what's, <laughs> what, what's the first big, uh, you know, goofy, frivolous, item you buy uh, a three-year cd at his local bank <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we got company cars for the other partners i didn't have get one so I, after two years in i did i did get myself a 300e mercedes cool so, so uh, which i had and i leased it and i leased it again and i bought it over the years so because you know it everything didn't click all the way through i mean what we do, we represent companies, right? And they hire us to do a job for them. And we went through, you know, they're about average. Uh, last about five years, and you got to find a new one. And it goes through that, you know, one of them ran out of business, one of them got scared of doing insurance themselves. You know, it, so it's it's a constant battle with that, trying to make sure you have a, a market to. And have. you're in a very conserv conservative industry, right? Basically, yeah. So so uh, you're not showing up in a red Corvette. No. For anything. No. Ever. No. Right? Um, which is obvious. Right. We, 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 we had a client. He had a couple big factories, and he had a bunch of cars. And I'm like, what do you drive to work? He's like a 200,000-mile Prius. 
<laughs> and I'm like, well played. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. just it's just a, a like it's just a smart pool move. So, a chess move. So 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 you're you're driving an E class to work and you're making some money and what's the what's the the next where all of a sudden it gets to that 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 okay I'm profitable this is going to be my business and and we're we're good how does it scale well it, it, aviation business they have cycles where they have you know the hard what they call the hard mark where the prices go up the soft mark goes you know the prices are down and there's a couple cycles in there and uh, yeah we just slowly ticked up I mean, we weren't you didn't go gangbusters and just slowly up till the big deal for us where we really grew was after 9-11 because a lot of our competitors got out of the business they cut back and we were we had I thought we have a very strong team we knew what to do we 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 grew exponential so so that's a that's a a, a crazy time right 9-11 what is it like for you in the aviation business on the west coast of california at you're in the office at what what time you go to the office that time I was getting in 6 30 so 6 30 so it's fucking instant right you're in the office and everything changes what what happens what's what ha, what's that experience like for you I mean the 9-11 experience yeah 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 9-11 well, i was in hawaii on oh, business, okay. I was visiting my uh, various accounts over there. Uh, Vince, my partner, and I were over there on uh, business, and we so couldn't you, get back. You, you woke up to that. So what did you? So you woke up and it was six six thirteen a.m. or something like that in Hawaii because it was yeah. nine thirteen here, right? Well, uh, or no, it was it, it was what was it nine thirteen in there. New York, six yeah. o'clock here, so three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Yeah. you wake up to. I got a call from a, a producer, a client of ours, telling me what was going on. Turn the TV. They, what time is this? It's got to be fucking crack of dawn, right? For yeah, you, yeah, it's got to be. I don't know between four and five in the morning. Or something and like and so you turn on the TV and yeah. you're seeing your industry. Right? right. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. Right. right. Your all, industry destroyed. Potentially freaking destroyed. What do you? What? Do, how do you? How do you? What do you do? Well, I mean, yeah. When I turned the TV on, it was where the second tower went down, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it just uh, the whole thing changed. I mean, I went out to the airport to see the client, and it's like dead. There's no, in Maui, yeah. there's just no, no flies. Everything's, no everything's, everything's grounded. Everything's grounded. In Hawaii, they they thought the helicopters were going to be have bombs on them, and and Cornwall's told, you know, bombing people in Hawaii, but that didn't, obviously didn't happen. So, and so, so, what do you do? Do you call into the office and say, "Okay, guys," yeah, I mean, call yeah. the clients, say, "Hey, you know what? Let's just, you know." Well, I mean, everything was pretty much shut down everywhere, so there wasn't much activity. So, I call the office and see what's going on, but there's nothing I could do. I can't get back. Right. I can't get on an airplane. Right. How long? How long are you grounded in Hawaii for? A week. A week. A lot of golf. <laughs> I was going to say stranded, <laughs> stranded in Hawaii. <laughs> Sometimes I play 36 holes, but, <laughs> you know, which is kind of sad. I mean, all this tra- people are going on and you know, there's nothing we could do. So we must, and Vince is a great surfer and he was surfing every morning and we play golf. So, it was, so then you get, you get back and what changes and when does that change? It was after? pretty, pretty much right away. I mean, I'm, I don't, do airlines myself we don't do that class of businesses so you don't do the big stuff it's it's 
but we, it, it but it was industry changing, right? right. Like yeah. it was it was because it, it was a major loss for the industry. There's no question about that. And uh, the people who had the airlines were suffering obviously more than the non-airline people. So uh, yeah, it was a definite game changer. And the people got out of certain classes. We we were able to change the rating structure, and so we were charging more. And it it we grew exponentially like five years. Yeah. So where we reached actually the the pinnacle at one time was 2006 in our production. It was amazing what we did. And then the 2007, the, a bunch of competitors came in and the prices dropped 30, 40% overnight. I mean, it actually took a year, but uh, so it, it hasn't changed until about two years ago well, when did, the hard market came back. 2000, so, so your business exploded after 9-11. So you had a five-year run a little dip. I oh. remember talking to you in 2009 and you said, I'm embarrassed to say it, but this is arguably our best year ever. 2006 was the best year, but 2009 was pretty good. For like 2009, like in the middle of the, the middle of the shit, the middle of the recession, you're cranking. Yeah. And what do you attribute that to in the insurance world? Yeah. I mean, we just, we had a good team, a good product and it was, you know, we were working hard, and then it, we took the chances on certain classes of business. Other people didn't. And uh, we had the right pricing, and we did well. So I, I also remember in 09 talking to some guys that were having great years, and they were, they were quiet about it because there was so much shit in the news. And I'm like, dude, we need to hear these. We need to hear these stories. Like, you know, a guy's like, hey, I'm in the commercial real estate business and warehousing and everything sucks, and I just had the best year I've had in 30 years. Right. I said, well, go tell uh, the news. 100%. Like, we need good news stories right now. We need positive news stories, and nobody is is saying this. Well, and we used to, We, you know, at that time, Pat and I used to, used to basically tell guys to fuck off and get the hell out of the dealership when they came in and talked about how it was so shitty, right? At, mm-hmm. You know, we sell stuff that nobody needs and it's the first stuff that goes in a recession and we were like hey dude you cannot bring that negative vibe in and you want to come in here and talk about negative stuff and no no this is disneyland for guys and so we like we don't want to hear anything except happiness and i think that year i had a wine cellar upstairs I think that was probably the most bountiful year of of wine. Yeah, because we needed it. <laughs> we were we were drinking wine one afternoon, and uh, one of the guys came up and he's like, "Guys, really? It's four o'clock. What are you doing?" <laughs> uh, but it was it was essential. It was it, it was essential. It, it, yeah, it was it was, a, it was an essential product. To, no, <laughs> to... <laughs> no, no, it was essential to selling such a stupid product. Correct. So you sold me all those stupid products? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, no. You bought the stupid yeah, products. Not a, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not a lot of selling involved, Scott. <laughs> not a lot of t- building value. <laughs> um, so, so 2009, or t- t- sorry, 9-11, all I, of a sudden you are, you realize after that, hey, we are super viable right yeah and, we, and, and we turned a corner in 2001 what was the what was the 
frivolous purchase then? Well, actually, I had twins, and that was my, my purchase. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were born 11 days after 9-11, and I just got home in time for it. And they, unfortunately, they were premature by three months, so they spent three months in the hospital. Right. So I just barely got home in time for that. So it was, that was kind of a tough time. So it took a little away from any frivol- frivolity or whatever. Well, you know, it's, uh, so, but it's, it's, it's neat kind of having a 9-11 baby because my son was born in July, a few <laughs> months before. And, and he is, you know, I don't know what they call him, Y, X, Gen, this, but he is really attuned to the 9-11, you know, the 20th anniversary. And it, it, it's kind of like what defines those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, okay. So now you're born then, right? I was, I was alive. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to think nine, 9 11, no kids. Did not have kids. Dude, two weeks after 9 11, I flew to Italy for a meeting. Well, no, no. Did we have a kid? Oh, no, my no God. <laughs> How was your oldest kid? Yeah, no, 2002. <laughs> but it was weird going to LAX for the first time and flying post 9-11 two weeks after. Right, Adrenaline up, ready to fucking kick anybody's ass. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sitting there on the plane going, okay, if that, <laughs> if, if, if that brown guy moves, I'm going to put my foot on that person's head and jump over there and <laughs> cra- cra- crazy how that Oh happened. no, it was nuts. I was looking at exit strategies and where are the exits and what it, who am I taking out? Somebody's and, going down, right? Yeah. You know, when somebody rushes And it was the, the it was the makeshift uh, uh, safe uh, pilot safe door. It was okay. you know, they were like putting the they putting the coffee cart in front right. and stuff. It was before everything was like armored and wow. It was weird. What a what a, what a trip. And I took Al Italia LA Rome Direct, which is like a what city a piece bus. Of shit. No, that's it's like a, a city bus a in New Delhi. It's it's a shit. <laughs> if if I saw a chicken run down the the, the, yeah, the right. aisle, I would have went, Okay. Like it was so <laughs> crappy. Uh, I flew from London to Rome one time. I'll tell you, wasn't bad. Well, probably on the continent, they probably clean their planes. I did. I did. I did once at Alitalia. They're out of business for a reason. Yeah, I did once to Italy, and it was it wasn't bad. I think I sat like premium economy, and it was okay. But it was direct. Like that's yeah. that was the kicker. So okay, so you you are are. 2000 and what we're we're fast forward past 9-11 business is viable when did you buy your your first ferrari 2004 2004 was, so it, that, a, was it a black 360 yes yes Six i remember speed. i remember I, yeah. I was actually talking to pat several times we were looking at a to ordering a 575 maggie and i were over there looking at you know colors and stuff like that and I, geez that's another hundred grand i get that. <laughs> so i got a i wanted to add a gated shifter so I got the 360 with a gated shifter from Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's and the last time I bought from them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 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 even even then, so stick shifts are super rare now. Very rare. I mean, I I, I remember my side note to that. I met Scott in '05. Right, come in. Yeah. I want a 430. We figured out how to get him a 430. Give us your 360 on consignment. Dude, we couldn't fucking sell it. Nobody wanted a stick. Nobody wanted a stick 360. Well, it was so funny. We'd get allocation and 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 uh, they say, uh, you know, hey, uh, 
you get one stick sh- you get two stick shift 360 coupes and one f1 i'd call guys and say hey we got a uh, 360 stick allocation oh call me when you can get an f1 call me when you can get a paddle nobody wanted them so here we are 20 plus years later and and i think they bring 50 percent more probably yeah and everyone's looking for them and want wants them and the, and they should they're great they're wonderful yeah they were great the, yeah the, the, gated the gate the gate the gate's great. wonderful great but it, it, it is funny. I, I have a 355 right now, and I was looking at the production numbers. It's a paddle shift, 98. Paddle shifts are way more rare than stick shifts. Oh, really? Yeah. If you look at all the 355 production, but everybody wants a stick. I mean, the paddle, the paddle shift in a, in a 355 sucks. Except for yours, the one you have. Yours is really no, it's, good it's, for those it's, who are it's, listening. It's like, version, it's like version one of software. Yeah, it's fucking Atari, right? Right. It's, it's like, do you want an IBM computer or a Dell computer from 98? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all it is. And the, and the gated shifter was, was great. So, so, 04, you get your first Ferrari. And at that point, where your, your office is here in Newport. You're living in you're living in Newport, right? Um, were you? How much are you thinking of the '68 GTO? I still have fond memories of it. Oh, good, <laughs> good, good. And and so, how many employees at that time do you have? Probably both divisions. I gotta guess 45, 50. So you got fifty employees, and business is cranking, and. Are you bored? Are you still excited going to work every day? Oh, yeah. I still enjoy going to work every day. Yeah, so, it's, so, it's still good. So you show up, and, and what is, and, and I mean, I don't, I've never asked this question, but I, I know you, right? So, I, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming I know the answer, but your employees, how many of them from inception are still there, and how many bailed? Well, I mean, we've probably gone through over 100 people or something, but it's sure. amazing. Well, my, our first hire, she's still there. Right. Uh, we have, so great. So it, it, we have a lot of long-term, 20-plus years. Not, not, not surprised at all, right, knowing you. Not surprised that, that you have uh, employees that are still working, you know, I always but hate see that, for, but, but see with that, you. That, that just doesn't happen. So was there something that you and your partner or whoever, was there a conscious effort like, hey, we worked for these guys and we know how the corporate guys do it. We want to do something different. Or we want to not treat these guys as their social and, and as, a, as, a, as a box in a Excel spreadsheet. We're going to do I, something. I want this. I want in 19 – when did you start business? 87? 87. I want – July employee, 7th. I want employee – one in 87 to be with me in in 2021 right what's that well you you can't you know based on that but what we try to do is be fair to the employees give them the opportunity to grow i mean you know obviously at a small company there's not a lot of place you can go in the company but we want to make sure you know they have medical plans we make sure they had pension plans we made you know if we made money they got money you know we we shared it pretty well right Hmm. and so we were always making sure that they had the right equipment to work and taken care of. I mean, if they had to go 
uh, for a couple of days for whatever you go. I mean, we just didn't question it. We and we have very good people. I mean, uh, uh, were, was, I was, was did everybody get Christmas off? Oh, not Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the afternoon. You know, it's almost yeah, the clo- you, you almost got to close the so, year out. So Everybody's got to be on. No, you know, one of the things we did, we had a holiday bonus. Everyone gets two weeks pay, extra pay, uh, at the end of November. We always did that. Uh, I mean, when we first started, you know, we get you know we give them a turkey or something. Sure, right. <laughs> yeah, but but, know, but 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 it's always scaled with yeah. your growth of your company, right? With yeah, with I mean, your success, because you're not doing all of the day to day. You're not doing everything, right? right? It's not you. So there's a bunch of people helping you. You're like, hey, I realize. I'm going to. I don't want anybody to leave. It's more expensive to train some freaking new dude. But it's easily said, though. There's so many people, there's so many companies that know that and know how to retain an employee, but don't do it. They At the end of the day, they it's like, greed, hey, dude, right? you know what? We're busy. You have to work Christmas. you you got to come in, and this, this year your partner's bonus is zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are the things. They all know it. Everybody knows how to treat an employee. And and. All the studies, all the HR studies, all the retention studies show it's not about money. Correct. It's the small things that retains employees. It's being uh, 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 human. No, <laughs> no. It's it, it's being told that you're doing a great job. Right. It's given days off. It's it's all the little things that actually add up to it. Very few people say, hey, I left there because they didn't give me a raise. They usually left there because they didn't give uh, a day off or they didn't acknowledge yeah. my work or they didn't tell me uh, I was doing great or something like that. So those are the things that, yeah. that, that I mean, they, they change the game. Like Maggie, my wife, she worked for a law firm. Her, her, her grandmother passed away. And they wouldn't give her the time off. Like right there, you quit. Like <laughs> you went there too much longer. Right, where you you know, right? And it just seems that it just seems that Scott, a lot of a lot of businesses don't run their business how you and your partner ran your business, and a whole bunch of a whole bunch of your success is how you the two of you said, hey, here's how we want to treat our guys. And I bet you didn't didn't say it wasn't like you two guys, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but to you two guys sitting in a room saying, "Okay, let's treat our guys this way." It was just organic, right? It was right. just based on who the two of you are. You know, my dad was a partner too and he was he came in every day, but you know, he was 66 when he part of the deal. So, but he you know, he was he was very helpful in that kind of stuff as well cuz he, he's that kind of person, that, you know, very you know, loyal to the poor people. Well, he's a, he's good, a depression good, era Yeah, guy. a good mentor and stuff. Like well, that, that's so. that's the, the, you know, those World War II guys are the... They're men. Yeah, freaking men, right? The, the, the greatest generation besides mine generation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes without saying. You're right, 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 right. Or my kids' generation. Uh, awesome. Um, so... You get to a point in the business where it's, I don't know, I always hate cruise control, but fairly cruise control, and 
I wouldn't say that. We don't think we ever had cruise control. There was always something going on. Right. They kept changing things. You had to keep updating what's going on. You just you can't stay at one place. It's a constant moving business. Yeah. You can't take your eye off the ball. Yeah. And 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 your business has a name, right? At this point, you know, in the last five years, right? You have a a great reputation in the industry. I would say so. Great. That's from what I hear. But people tell me. People tell me that's so sure. I, I mean, I, can't, I don't want to be tell myself, but but well, just look at your tenure of employees, right? That's how you build all of that shit, right? Yeah. When you go to buy a business, I think probably the first thing I would look at is, hey, well, can I see a list of your employees and what they're who's been here the longest? And when you see that, you're like, oh, dude, this is a company that's solid because I don't have turnover, I don't have any of that stuff. Um. Yeah, one of the things we always service, service, service. I mean, that's all we got. I mean, we're insurance. Right. You, you know, it's it's not a shiny red car or, or right. a fancy house. Right. Something. Right. It's service. an insurance policy. It's, not it's, everybody's excited about insurance. No, it's no, not. It's not exciting, right? No. So you have to make up on service, and we make sure people call back the same day. If you get a call, you call back, and we push service, and we're kind of known for one of the best service in the industry, and. Uh, I saw a report the other day that we were actually number three in the, in the aviation insurance business. There's about 22 companies, I think, now. It varies. It goes in and out. But, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of, I mean, we're behind two mega groups. So it's, it's kind of nice. No, but see, that's great because all that, stuff, all that stuff is obvious and easy, but nobody does it. Right, right. But, but, like, oh, you call somebody back today. Oh, really? But, oh, but oh what's, my gosh. What's awesome about what you just said, Scott, is that's what excites you right that's exciting saying hey you know what oh hey we made a bunch of money but you didn't say that you said hey what's what's awesome is hey we're number three in the service industry right that mm-hmm. people think of that and that is why the success my opinion right mm-hmm. I mean, the product's good and, and what you do is good but that customer service is always a weird world weird world weird word to me um but it's that. Because the customer is never right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. I oh, we have those customers. Right. 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 Sometimes right. If, it, if it wasn't for customers, I'd love my job. Right? Yeah, you know, sometimes you get a call, you call somebody back and they say, sometimes I'll get calls from your competitors for two, three days. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, it's. Like, isn't that crazy? I mean, you, you actually get business that way because someone else called them back, you get the business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of simple. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's very simple. But like Pat said, it's really hard to keep it simple because everybody's trying to continue to be smarter, right? And it's, oh, I'm smarter. I got all, I got this new way. It's simple, man. Yeah. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, we're going to wrap up here in the next few minutes. So what we like to do here when we wrap up, Scott... Um, we don't have to sing, do we? No. Well, well, it's <laughs> funny you say that. <laughs> two things. Two things that I think we want to hear is you're talking to talking to your kids, my kids, the youth. What what you know? What can you in two you know a few minutes impart to them, um, which will help them be successful? And uh, the second thing is is uh, we want to hear what's the name of your company, website, who do they talk to, et cetera. For, you know, for all the uh, your, aviation listeners. Your, your, your pitch, <laughs> your pitch. Well, I mean, 
you got to find something you're passionate about, and that's one of the hardest things to do. And when you do find it, you just keep working at it. You just hard work is not not a problem. I mean, I I tell my kids that every day. I say, you know, and for the most part, they are that way. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, what I, I mean, the name of the company is W Brown Associates. We're now a division of Sampo International. Who? Sampo. S O M P O. Sampo. And we don't. Is that deal- uh, Comanche? Whoa. <laughs> I think you're it's thinking, actually the fifth, you're large, poon. fifth largest Japanese life insurance company. Sampo. And uh, they they owned a, another company called Endurance, which is actually who we had our deal with originally. And so we're now part of the. the cool. Sampo. And when did, when did that acquire happen? December 20th last year. Oh, hey, congrats. nice. Congratulations. congratulations. So, and, you know, so we, we don't actually deal direct with the public, we deal through agent brokers and. Uh, so you have to go through your broker to get to us. We never deal direct with the public. Although that's, we, that's probably why you're so successful. Well, <laughs> no, we we still do a lot of uh, inspections and and visiting. You know, I've had some accounts for over 25 years. The same, you know, I know the insured very well, and you know it, it's part of the business. So uh, very fortunate to have the long-term clients as well as long-term employees. So yeah, it's just it's a you know it's a person business. You guys got to be out there and. And do what you need to do to get the job done. That's cool. So, That's great. I, I have one more question. This is the uh, salutation uh, question. The bonus question? Um, I have a friend in the church business, and he's got crazy stories. Is there, uh, and you don't have to mention names, is there a story in the insurance business in the aviation world where you're like, you can't make that shit up? Or is is yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> the, the, the more interesting ones were in the 70s. Sure. Of course. I was on the outside looking yeah. in. Yeah. And they, they were, there were some really high flyers in those days. And, and, and a bit like claims? Financial or, dealings, claims. They, they were working like, it. Like Wayne Newton and a Lear? Or <laughs> you know, no, I mean, it was the way... People did business. Oh, okay. Ah, ah. There was a, they called burners, and they're, they're it's too difficult to explain. What, wait, but, wait. What's a burner? Oh, uh, you're, you're. Yeah, I, I don't want to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I wouldn't participate. But it was, it's really a financial deal, and this way back in the early uh, just shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. Shenanigans. okay. Well, what we, called shenanigans, but it was uh, insurance way. You're assuring the difference of been if you didn't have losses. You got one price, and you didn't have lost the other price, and made sure the difference. And that was the burden. So, uh, so there were some mm, brokers lingo. A, lot, a lot of money on those deals. God, and guys have made a bunch. Well, Scott, uh, you know, thank you, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. Um, we're going to wrap up once again. Uh, thanks for listening to Doing It My oh, Way. Great, great stuff. Uh, our listeners in Czechoslovakia uh, will be very, right. very Well, yeah, our Japanese listeners will be excited <laughs> that uh, um, they have another acquisition. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great group of people I'm dealing with. It's really nice. So it makes it easy the transition from well, that's, owning, yeah, that's great. owning to being an employee. Uh, yeah, and uh, soon unemployed. No, I don't know. I'll, I'll see what happens. <laughs> After this, maybe they'll fire me. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> I still have cars to buy. Okay, we're, we're, we're sorry. <laughs> All right. Hey, dude, thanks for coming. Right. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Thank Chris you. Chris Bullis, Papachini, uh, with our guest, Scott Brown. Thanks, Scott. <laughs>